Hello, welcome to Why Not Me. In life, we face many trials and obstacles, many challenges, and in the thick of it, we can be tempted to think, why me? But every obstacle presents an opportunity and every trial can bring triumph. So I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of, why not me? When, when in the middle of it, when things are tough, look around and think, why not me? It's, it's happening for a purpose. And then when success is at your doorstep and all you have to do is open it, you may find yourself hesitating, questioning, is this for me? Do I deserve this? And I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of why not me? Throw the door open wide, shout to the world, why not me? Embrace your success. I'm your coach, Todd Halls. I'm grateful to have you on this journey. Welcome to Why Not Me. Hello, hello. Welcome to Why Not Me, turning trials into triumphs, seeking and embracing success. I'm your host, Coach Todd Halls. Grateful, as always, to be here. Excited to be here. Listeners, I'm so grateful for you. Thanks for joining us. I'm excited for our guest today, as always, but especially excited today because our guest brings two things together, health and business and business health and success. And we'll learn more about it, but these are things that I'm passionate about. So it is with pleasure I introduce to you Hannah Bartlett Alonzo. Hannah is the creator of Integrative Healing. Now, this is a... Um, it's a multimodality approach to, to self-healing, self-mastery. Uh, she's also the, the CEO, the founder of the School of Integrative Healing. And it's a long-term approach to true holistic transformation. And, and that's a mouthful, so I can't wait to unpack that. But essentially, uh, the healing practices are a large part of Hannah's life and work, and they're the essence of all her teaching. And if I'm understanding it, it's it's bringing our best inner self out, um, kind of getting getting out of our own way so that we can have our you know our best life. That's my paraphrasing. I may be way off. With that, I'm going to turn it over to Hannah and see what she thinks. Hannah, welcome to the show. Thank you. How did I do? You did really well. You did well. More, I would say better than most because you know before we recorded the show, I was asked how how do you want to be introduced. <laughs> it makes me laugh the introduction because I think a lot of people would hear it and they go, "What does that mean? What is multi-dimensional and multi-modality uh, healing?" Right? Can you put that in normal language? So I'll explain it if you want me to just dive in straight away on what it actually means. <laughs> that would be wonderful. Let's dive in. Um, okay. So multidimensional and multi-modality healing. The reason that I speak to this is I've been doing the healing work for the last 11 years. I started this work when I was, I was pretty young. I was 19 years old and I have had the pleasure of studying a variety of modalities and a variety of dimensions of healing. So when I speak to dimensions, what I mean is, for example, I did two diplomas in holistic nutrition, okay? So holistic nutrition is physical body. That's one dimension of healing, right? A dimension of life is, is physicality. It's what we can see. But I've also done a lot of healing work with energetic modalities where we start healing trauma from the energy plane, right? So suddenly energy is, is another dimension of healing. So when I say I do multidimensional healing, I am certified in a variety of physical body modalities, okay? I'm certified in a variety of emotional and mental-based modalities. This is usually where we see the trauma work, the nervous system regulation, mindset, right? 
I'm certified in spiritual modalities and energetic modalities. So when I say multidimensional, multiple modality healing, it's a fancy way of saying I just do a lot of things <laughs> at the same time that you don't necessarily need to understand, but they get you the results that you want. Because for me, healing is the yeah. core of, of anything that you desire. So there is, well, we'll get to the, to the, to kind of the compartments. We'll call them compartments, but there's physical body, there's the energy, there's spiritual. But before we get to all that, what are we healing from? This is really interesting because the, the, the question in itself is what is, what is healing, right? And a lot of people, I actually, I love that you've just asked this as a question because I think a really big misconception of healing is you only do the healing work because you're in a bad place or something bad is happening, right? And actually, that's not my viewpoint of healing. Yes, some people have to hit rock bottom before they start working on themselves. And yet, you don't have to, right? So for me, healing is inner and self-mastery. It's learning. I always say, you know, at school, we weren't given the manual to be human beings, right? <laughs> but when you do the healing work, it's almost the human being manual, right? How can I have the relationships that I want? How can I have the wealth, the success, you know, that I desire and want? For me, the core of that is the healing work, right? So I love to call the healing work self-mastery. You know, some people refer to it as self-realization, but it's not about going from bad to good. It's about ever-expanding levels of good that exist for all of us as human beings and being on the path towards that. That's my perception of it anyway. That is an interesting um, way of putting it. Um, this notion of not going from bad to good, but rather just different layers of good. Um, because depending on, on the circles you, you're in and who you're talking to, there's the notion that, um, well, we live in a broken world. Um, we're all, you know, we could say we're all sinners. Um, so it's almost like we're starting from that place of bad and moving to good. But I love where you put it because I'm of the belief that we're all wonderfully and magnificently created by the creator. We're all inherently good. And it's just a matter of unlocking the full potential of the goodness or as much potential as we possibly can. Hmm. You mentioned self-mastery and um, I've heard John Maxwell say this a few times and I believe it's true. The hardest person to lead, I come, you know, it's related to leadership. The hardest person to lead is yourself. So conversely, the hardest one to master is probably yourself. How do you, like, like, just speak to that. What, what, what does self mastery mean? And what are some of the common biggest hurdles you see that keep us from reaching self mastery? So I'm not sure. I mean, even to start speaking about this, I'm not sure self mastery is something that you can reach. <laughs> it's just something that you do on a daily basis, right? Um, I think we have this, this conceptualization. I completely agree what you said about all, I, I believe everyone is inherently good and we have limitless potential. That's exactly my belief system too. But I don't believe that the healing work or life is about 
reaching anywhere. And I think that this is where it can, where people can get caught up, right? Oh, once I'm fully healed, then I'll be happy. Once I've lost 10 kg, I'll be, you know, I'll be able to have the relationship. Once I've mastered myself, I'll feel peace. And actually the human experience is a little bit different to that. I think a lot of self-mastery is, I mean, it's multifaceted, but it's, it's more about the inner workings of your present moment and the inner workings of your day it's 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 that's it's that simple right so what would it let me make this really tangible because I feel like I've got a bit esoteric in my day as a business owner right and as a CEO and as someone that runs a team that is international <laughs> like all over the world and having you know lots and lots of clients right a lot of people in leadership positions they're very focused on the external okay strategy money revenue um you know who needs to say this in in the team team structures dynamics maybe right now for me having a life that's focused on self-mastery is understanding yes the external exists and yes I have to take part in that I'm not saying go be in a cave on top of the mountain in India um but I prioritize the mastery of myself as much as I prioritize um doing the human things that I have to do in the running of my company. So, for example, when I wake up, I clear my energy. It's the first thing that I do, right? You know, like you have a shower. <laughs> for me, energetic clearing is as important as showering. And I think we all agree that showering is something you do every day in this group. It's not something like, oh, I learned how to shower. I did it once. Do you know what I mean? Like it's the same with energy clearing. So I clear out any blocks. Um, I will do my manifestation work. I will, you know, I just do a series of tools and these are things that I teach, which is kind of clean up my life experience and they accelerate my growth. I think a lot of people, when they want to expand into more good, think the way towards that is through pushing the external, right? For me, it's about creating from the internal, right? And then taking action in the external. Have I just said a lot of words? Is this making sense? It it is making sense, very good sense. Um, but it also raises some questions. Before I get there, um, I'm reminded of a book and and one of the tools that I use in my business um, about leadership, and it's a book by Tim Spiker called um, can't think of the name of the book. Oh, the only leaders worth following, and they've done studies like over twenty thousand CEOs. And found the most of like 77% of your effectiveness as a leader is determined by how, how inwardly sound you are and how others focused you are. And what you just described, I think, is this inner, inwardly sound person who just has their, their physical in order, their emotional in order, their spiritual order, their, their energy, just kind of everything where it's supposed to be. And I, I say that one first because I don't think you can be effectively others focused until you get your own stuff somewhat in order. Um, but I think that's what you just described. And the other thing you described was it's not a destination. It's a, it's a journey. It's much like you know, in my, my definition of success. I don't know that you, I'm, I'm ever going to arrive and say, Oh, I'm, I've arrived. It's more like I'm, I'm still on this journey. And today I have to get up and do the same things I did yesterday, except a little bit better. Is that making sense? Absolutely. Yes, a hundred percent. So the leadership example is really good, right? Because a lot of people in leadership positions, they overfocus on how can I get other people to do this, right? 
Why aren't other people doing this? And in my opinion, that's an erroneous approach. It's like, I would ask what in me, right, is making other people respond that way to me. Does that make sense? Like, you know, for example, in my team, let's say we've got a pattern of some team members, you know, delivering the deliverables two days late, right? And we've been in that pattern for the last, you know, three months. This is something really small that can happen in teams, right? And that has a knock-on effect on the team. So a lot of people as leaders or CEOs, what they do is they'd go get pissed off (laughs) at the team members, right? And I ask myself, you know, what in my leadership, what in me has created a culture, right, where this is acceptable? This was actually an issue that we had in our team. Do you know how we fixed it? I got all of the team super emotionally connected to the mission of the business. And I realized, wow, me as the leader, right? I I hadn't, I'd just been taking the vision and the mission of the business all on my shoulders because I had a pattern of not asking for support and doing everything on my own. And that showed up within the team dynamic. So when I saw that within myself, I was able to shift things in the team and now things get to me early. Right. And so that would be an inward approach to an outward problem, because I believe that everything in our life is actually just a mirror to our patterns. Right. And if we're not willing to see that, then we can have a very long, forceful journey to try and get what we want and actually not end up with it at the end of the road. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that that was amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, You just described so you know, I immediately thought of the book Extreme Ownership, where we, you're right, the initial reaction would not be to take ownership of that problem. The initial reaction would be to look at the symptom of it, right? What's the symptom of the problem? And that's, well, this is showing up late. But rather than putting a Band-Aid on it by being mad at that person, you actually went to the healing process, like, let's get to the root of it and fix it, taking responsibility yourself. The other thing, though, and I, I want to say this for anybody that's been delivering things late that's listening to this, this doesn't let you off the hook. You also have some responsibility in, in this. So, so don't, don't look to your, don't look to your boss and think, Oh, well, I'm good. It's their fault. Uh, but the importance, yeah, to, yeah, the importance. Go ahead. That's an important point, right? It's my responsibility because it's my team. But whoever's listening to this, everything in your life is 100% your responsibility, right? That's the rule of thumb, whoever you are in the team life dynamic. Absolutely. You. So you mentioned something about this. Um, as CEO, you hadn't connected there, and I'm, I won't get this exactly right, but you hadn't connected their role to the vision, the mission of the company. And I think that's so important. We're we're at a time, and I just recently read the statistic, worldwide, only 18% of the workforce is engaged in in their work. So 82% are either disengaged or actively disengaged. And in the United States, it's 33% are engaged. So we still have 67%. Two-thirds of our workforce aren't engaged. And I think what you just mentioned is, it's, I don't think enough people, CEOs, leaders are taking on that responsibility and realizing, hey, if we craft a clear vision and, and a why to it, like, why does it even matter? And then be, we have to allow our people, we have to help them connect. Like, they're, everyone's a huge part of that. And it, um, 
it then allows them to engage at the level that allows them to, to grow into more potential. So how do you, how do you teach other CEOs, leaders, et cetera, to start looking in the mirror? Because it's not, I don't know that it's natural. <laughs> it's not natural, but it's necessary. I think it's the progression of where leadership is going. And to, to be fully transparent, I think my perspective on leadership is is quite unique and different because, you know, even though I run a seven-figure and founded a seven-figure company, I don't come from traditional, you know, marketing, business. I, I don't have a corporate background. And this has actually been our stroke of genius because I've just found out we do everything differently. And actually, I teach um, a core concept in my training programs for people that also run companies or run anything, right? Because we're all running our lives, our families, you know, and we called it the embodied CEO. Again, I'm going to describe what that means because it's our very spiritual language. But um, the embodied part of the CEO for me is, is, is the part of the CEO that we split the archetype because we've created an archetype and we split it into 50% leadership and 50% healer. And I also think that the, the archetype of the healer is misunderstood. For me, the archetype of the healer is the person that is willing to take responsibility, that is willing to look at themselves, that is willing to um, really, really, truly do the work. So when we teach leadership, we teach 50% yes, leadership, right? Standards, boundaries, expectations, mission statements, how to run a team, the stuff that you see everywhere, okay? We we do teach that. And actually, I have the great blessing that my partner was, well, he ran kitchens in the Navy for 13 years. So he teaches military standard leadership. And that's been so helpful for me, actually, to, to pick up from him. But the component that we add is exactly the component that you're talking to, the, the self-responsibility, the seeing life as an internal healing journey. And so we, we, we teach people that from, you know, zero to a hundred. We really, really go down to the basics with that. And we really teach people that that's actually the core of getting what you want, right? And so obviously, if we get a subsect of people that aren't used to taking responsibility for everything. Sometimes they don't like it. <laughs> and sometimes there's an initial period of resistance. But when people start to see the results and they start to see their life change, right? What can I say? It works. So we use archetypes um, to, to help people how to understand or to help people understand that they can operate in their life and their businesses differently. And that's going to give them a different result. And that's been really, really helpful. Um, but I also believe, you know, even though I teach this, my business is always giving me opportunities <laughs> to learn more, refine more and heal more. And that's something that we teach people as well, right? It's exactly what we were saying. There's, you, it's not how to get to a destination. It's can you see your business as your own healing journey? Can you see your business as your own journey of self-realization? And can you see the opportunity in every challenge or slightly crap thing <laughs> that may happen, right? Because then we stop fighting and we stop resisting life and we stop resisting the hard and the challenge in our leadership positions as well. And so it just brings lightness and fun right? Instead of only focusing on the goal, we get to have fun on the way. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> Who knew indeed? 
Uh, what, what a gift. And so something that comes up in conversation is the, the so many entrepreneurs, business owners out there, they start a business with the, the idea of creating something that brings them more freedom. Um, mm-hmm. the freedom to, to go where they want, do what they want, freedom financially. And oftentimes they end up because they don't have the business skills and, and in talking to you, because they maybe haven't done the internal work, they end up being prisoners mm-hmm. in, they feel stuck in their business. And you just described a business where it becomes, and think of just even that mind shift, like this is part of the healing journey. This is part of my growth journey. Whatever comes in today, whatever, whatever bumps and bruises, uh, it's actually beneficial to me or could be. Did I understand that right? Hundred percent, it is. You know, and just to give you to to give you context, because when I say everything is for our growth and everything is has a gift and a gold, I had a shamanic training and that was the core of it. People always come to me with, "But Hannah, I went through this, and this specific pain is worse than anyone else's pain." And and to that, I respond. You know, my business was was birthed from, and, and I got into the healing work because I was a primary caregiver for a dying parent. That was my my twenties, right? My twenties was spent doing that, and I received more blessings than I think anyone in a lifetime for being t- truly open to that experience, right? And I wouldn't have received the gold, and I wouldn't have received the blessings if I'd been shunning it as a bad thing. Right. And obviously there was grief and pain because I'm a human being and we're all human beings. But there was so much beauty that would have been missed if I'd experienced it differently. And so my experience of, of, of business is the same. It's like if my mother's death and passing and dying process can be the most beautiful thing that's ever happened to me, what can't? Right. And so it's building inner resilience. It's building you know, these inner qualities that really allow you to have the freedom. Quick point on that, because I love that you mentioned that, okay? And this is something that I've discovered through working with a lot of entrepreneurs. People think that financial freedom means freedom. And financial freedom doesn't mean freedom. You've got to have financial freedom and emotional freedom to have holistic freedom. I know a lot of millionaires, I have the blessing of being invited to events full of billionaires and multimillionaires and people that have achieved probably, you know, some of the highest, you know, some you know, I've been in the room with some of the most successful people on planet earth, right? And I have seen them in private spaces, go on to stages and say to all of the other people that are wildly wealthy and successful and famous, right? Don't do it. I've seen that. And so if making a billion was the answer to your life's problem, then all of those billionaires on all of these stages that I've seen in these private events, right, would have been singing a very different tune. And that was a very big awakening for me because it was like, okay, money isn't it. I mean, I love money. I want to create wealth. And just having money is not freedom. Because if you just have money and you're still fearful and you're still having many problems in your relationships and your health, are you truly free? No. Okay. So that's where we have to do the inner and the outer work. And I really feel that like we're very much pioneering that in the business. I'm very excited because I want to see more relaxed millionaires. I want to see more millionaires that are having more fun, that have got more time with their kids, right? Because, you know, life is about living, not just money, right? We need to be able to balance both. 
I love that. That was so well said. I'm going to jump back a little bit to we, we, we started early in the conversation. You talked about the healing in different areas, uh, the physical, um, emotional, spiritual, talked about energy. And I just want to touch on, well, I'd like to hear a little bit about all of them, but let's start with energy because depending on who's, who you're talking to, it can sound a little woo woo. Like what's, 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 mm-hmm. en- you know, what's this energy healing? Um, I, you know, a number of, yeah, it doesn't matter. So would, would just love to hear a little bit more about what, what's, what's energy healing? You know, what, what, what's it even mean? What, what's this? Take the woo out of the woo woo, please. I, I love the context of the question. Um, <laughs> it sounds so woo, but watch this kind of space in 20 years, 50 years everyone's going to be talking about how did we not accept energy as just something that exists. Because if you look at the, 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 the pioneering scientists right now, right, that work with trauma, mental health, any of these things, they're all talking about energy. This is no longer a woo-woo concept. Bruce Lipton started his career as a cell biologist and he teaches on energy, right? You know, these, like Peter Levine, you know, he is the biggest, he probably has the school, the biggest school of trauma, work in the world, probably some of the most effective therapies, somatic re-experiencing it's called, he cites shamanic practices and he talks about how in shamanic cultures there wasn't the trauma that exists in our modern world, right? And so this is just two names of the innumerable scientists that are now working in this area. So for, for me, it's, it's really exciting. My background is psychology. I did a, a degree, well, I did a four-year degree in psychology. I worked in a research center in a university in Spain. I am half Spanish. And I finished that. And I'm sorry if I'm offend anyone. I thought, what absolute shite. You've not like, you know, and I got awards of excellence. I'm on the British practitioners, psychologist webpage, three awards of excellence. You couldn't, I did better than everyone else in the university in all of my final exams. Like I am, I was a grade A student, you know, above grade A. But at, at the end of that, you know, when I was navigating my mother's illness and real human things, I was like, this theory from these textbooks is like, it, it doesn't even scratch the surface. This is not helpful in actual practical settings, you know? And so when I started studying energy medicine, as, as woo as it sounds, I started actually experiencing changes and results in my life. I started seeing changes and results in my clients. And so sometimes the mental label of woo-woo is actually blocking people from getting the help and the, having the lives that they want, right? Because I've seen this to be effective again and again and again. But let me use an analogy to really cement this, okay? Water. Let's talk about water. <laughs> water exists in three forms, okay? Three main forms that we talk about. Water exists in its, I promise you I'm going somewhere with this, okay? (laughs) Water exists in its water state, okay? We can see it. It's a liquid, okay? It's like, you can see it, okay? Water also exists when you make it colder, right? Ice, Mm -hmm. we can see it. But what happens if you heat water? It evaporates, and you're no longer able to see it. Does that mean that it no longer exists? No, it doesn't. It just means that it's changed state, okay? So if we can understand that water evaporates and then you can no longer see it and there's a change of state that means that you can't see it, what else is floating about in the interspace that we can't see because it's changed state and our eyes aren't designed or trained to see it? 
Okay. That helps people just open their perspective slightly. Energy medicine. Okay. Energy medicine, trauma medicine in a nutshell. Okay. We have a human body of which you can see because it's in a state. Okay. But we also have an energy body. A lot of people think energy is inside the body. That's actually incorrect. They have scans that detect this. This isn't just me saying it. You know, there's so much research being done on this. And so we have an energy body that is bigger than us. And then we have a physical body that's in it. Okay. Disease, trauma, all of these things that we hear thrown around a lot. What is it on the energetic plane? Okay. An example, when you experience something traumatic, Let's say something big T trauma and small T trauma, it does the same thing. So for example, the loss of my mother at quite a young age was a big T trauma because it was chronic, you know, the doctor's calling us, oh, it's spread to the the brain. For any of you guys that have, you know, been in this kind of situation, you know, every phone call, you're just shaking because you're like, I don't know if I can handle any more bad news. Do you know what I mean? Right? Like that, that was the reality of the situation. So what did that create in my energy body? It created a lot of blocks, you know, a lot of stuck fear that I wasn't able to process. And so I started to experience that as dis-ease. How did I heal the dis-ease? I worked on the energy body. It wasn't anything else. And my, my sister developed a chronic health condition that I started getting symptoms from that I do not have because I did the energy work. You know, there are so many examples I can give, but this is like, this is the, the teeniest bit of what you can do on the energy plane right for people to start to conceive that this is a real thing and like you know <laughs> i if i i don't really bet and i don't really gamble <laughs> i've never gambled i've never bet really on anything like look at me <laughs> i mean that's not my activity of choice but 20 to 50 years from now right people are going to be talking about how were we looking at health and healing and living without looking at the energy body because it's so important awesome thank you thank you for breaking that down um as you were well a as you as you're you know talking 20 50 years from now i do i do agree it's going to be um it's it'll be mainstream and i say that with a little bit of will it because i'm thinking of um napoleon hill right in in think and grow rich he talked about this sort of thing like in 1930, like, so like the concept's been around forever and somehow it keeps, it keeps getting almost suppressed, if that makes sense. But hopefully we're in a time and an age now where, um, through social media, through the broad communication channels, we have folks like yourself are able to get the message out far and wide. Um, and by the way, I'm sorry for the loss of your mom. I know you, you mentioned it was, you know, there was some growth and it was an amazing time. Still, uh, I said, I'm sorry for your loss. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that and talking about energy field, I'm, I'm going to, after that, I'm going to jump right back in. Um, but I recently listened to a lady talk about, she does uh, equestrian, equine therapy and how horses can sense this, the energy. And she relayed a story about a, a, a corporation that was doing some, some training at the stable. And they were doing this exercise regarding thinking about their fiscal quarters for second, third, fourth quarter, et cetera, as they went from animal to animal. 
And interestingly enough, this, it was a group, and I don't know, maybe three people, maybe five people, but quarter, they got to the first horse, everything was good. The second horse, everything was good. They got about halfway to the third horse and the horse started freaking out. And mm. so they said like, okay, that's, that's the tell, tell sign. What happens in third quarter? And sure enough, every third quarter, this company experienced the, this repetitive, stressful time. And so I think it, it's an analogy. It's, it's a real life portrayal of we have energy that we bring with us everywhere we go. And as humans, I don't think we're, we're not always good at sensing it or maybe not recognizing that that is what we're sensing, but there are animals like horses that know right away if we're, if we're walking up with bad energy or good energy. A hundred percent. And this, I love that as an example. And there's so many things like this being demonstrated. So I adopt traumatized pit bulls. It's a bit niche, but I have two traumatized pit bulls and I like to adopt dogs that maybe would be challenging to adopt. I don't know what it's like where you are, but in Spain, you have to have a license to have a pit bull because it's considered a dangerous dog, right? And um, I specifically, well, me and my partner, we, we like to adopt dogs that have been in, in rescue centers for a long period of time and experienced a lot of abuse because we, well, I certified in energy healing for animals. I know this is weird. We're getting weird in this conversation. <laughs> I was trying to make myself not look woo. And then I told you all that I did energy healing on animals. And so I'm just going to continue the, the, this current of conversation. So my, my dog, Maya, when I got her, she's nine years old now. And I got her a few years ago. You know, I was told by the, the dog trainer, it was, it was the worst case of trauma that they'd ever seen in my life. And, you know, she refused to walk. She refused. She wouldn't walk up and downstairs. There was just so many lists of things. And through trauma healing and energetic healing, I mean, I would say she's still a nervous dog, but it's it's night and day, you know. And recently she started getting symptoms for uh, arthritis. We took her to the vets and they said to us, you know, she has to have injections every month. And, you know, me and my partner thought, well, what if that, what, what, what if we could do the energy healing on her? symptom free. She wasn't going for walks. She wasn't eating her breakfast. She couldn't walk. She had fits. She had like almost epileptic fits. Nothing now, you know? And so it's testimonies like, and what I love about doing the work on animals and dogs, it's like that, how can that be a placebo effect? Do you know what I mean? My, my pit bull has no idea what I'm doing. I'm just running my hand over her. You know, she's not like, oh, mom's doing her energy healing, or maybe she is, but you know, and so I think when you work with animals and animals show this happening firsthand, it takes a lot of skepticism out of your mind because what's, what's the other explanation? <laughs> it, it, I'm not sure if it, it raises more questions or provides answers. It's, it's <laughs> that's <laughs> I was like, that is that is answering a lot of questions. I mean, you're probably like, what type of energy healing do you do? But the, the point is, is that, you know, the dog went, for, and this is maybe a bit bold to say, I'm not going to say here that I just heal dogs. That's absolutely not my job. I help people build their businesses. But the point is, my dog went from having arthritis to being completely symptom-free from arthritis out of after every single day energy healing and i'm not okay i'm gonna i'm gonna cite some some science and some study for you guys so this can be absorbed right this isn't just me 
you know, in Ibiza doing his woo hippie stuff. You know, Dr. Bradley Nelson, he works on dogs. He was he was a doctor, right? And now he's dedicated himself to energy medicine, right? There are all of these professionals who are now doing this. And this is why I think, you know, I think consciousness on the planet is rising. Um, that might be a surprising thing to say, given the context of what's happening in the world right now. But I think maybe things too now have been pushed down. But I really do think we're on a surge in a wave of more of this, you know, information being passed out. And I'm actually going to say something, usually on interviews for podcasts, I'm not as open. <laughs> about how woo my work goes but there really is a current right now to speak to this and there's a lot of people that have reached high levels of success because of this kind of knowledge right now I'm in secret societies where this has been passed down for hundreds of years and they're now spreading it out that's probably giving you more questions maybe we should admit that little bit there but you know <laughs> it, it, it is happening You're right. More questions. <laughs> <laughs> you said, let's just so, flow with the interview. And I'm giving you what I've got. <laughs> yeah, no, it's awesome. It's funny. Because um, a question a question uh, has, has been in my mind since you were talking about your mom. And so now I'm shifting gears again, although maybe it's related. It actually is related. Do you still... What's the word I'm looking for? Do you still tense up when the phone rings? Oh, this is a really good question. No, but I had to do a lot of work around it. So when we have trauma, the memory is stored in the body and you will respond, right, as if the trauma is still happening until you clear it from the body. So I did a lot of work around this. Do you know a funny one? Every time my partner, so my partner is ex-military, like six foot, three and a half like he's just he's huge right if anyone's going to drown in the bath it's not going to be my partner but <laughs> after my mom passed away I experienced real terror of like if he was in the bath and you know I said babe and he didn't respond like you know it's a joke now in our in our house because I'd run into the bathroom and I'd be like did did, did you die and he'll be reading this book and he's like Hannah I'm bigger than the bath Right, there's not enough water in here. Like he really is a big man, you know, and the bath wasn't that big. So it's it's completely illogical. And that was the fear of because you know, when you experience trauma, the memory stays in the body, and then you also imprint a belief in the unconscious mind. And so what I learned from the trauma is my loved ones can die. Okay. And so that meant that I was less trusting, I wasn't living my life, you know, back to that thing around freedom. You know, I was I was going around life terrified that all of my loved ones were going to die so that wasn't fun right I didn't enjoy that I don't recommend that as a life experience even though a lot of people do have it so the the work that I did was was energetic that it was clearing the imprint clearing the memory and reprogramming the unconscious mind which is what the healing work is so now I expect not only not bad news from my phone I've programmed my human being to expect only good news from my phone which is a much nicer experience. And my partner is allowed to bath in peace, which he appreciates. <laughs> that's, that's better for him as well. Oh, thank you for sharing all that. Um, yeah, so the part of my story is, is a, a, a 
an, a sick parent. And it's been a few weeks ago now. It's, so it still happens. My sister called, I don't know, a month, but it was at an odd time. And I saw her name on the phone. I was like, and I, you know, you just, oh, what's, you know, this, this can't be a good, good call because over the years, there have been plenty of them. So, and I'm not, I'm not the only one that's gone through it. You're not. There's, we, right? That's just part of life. What's one thing? Could, can you offer one tactical, one practical thing that our listeners could start to do if, if this is resonating at all with anybody, as I'm sure it is? What's one, one step or one thing they can do to start the, the healing, the energy work? I think the best thing is always to work with someone that is experienced. And, you know, I'm a big believer in education. As you can hear from my story in university, I'm a SWAT and I am a nerd at my core. <laughs> there is nothing more delightful for me than learning new information and being able to implement it. But find a practitioner, someone, I mean, I can write down different therapies for you if you want to put them in the show notes that I recommend. But anyone that does trauma therapies that help you clear the imprint of the trauma in your body and your system. I certify people in this as well. I, I do this with people. But somatic re-experiencing is really good. Uh, rapid resolution therapy is really good. I'll write a list. Um, but I think before all of that, you have to make a choice, right? And the choice is, do I want the trauma to keep running my life or do I want to choose to heal? And am I willing to make that as much as a priority as everything else? Because I think until you've made that choice and until you've made that decision, it's, it's just a different mindset. So that's the question to ask yourself, you know, am I committed to my healing as much as I'm committed to maybe revenue? Or, you know, these other things. And, and what's really amazing is the more that you commit to the healing, the more the other things in your life just work too. Intentionality is the word that comes to mind. We can, you know, we can, we can keep just running ahead the way we are, but unless we identify, uh, admit and, and decide like, okay, I'm going to be intentional about taking care of this thing, whatever it is. Um, maybe it's some, some old trauma, maybe it's new trauma, maybe it's a health concern, who knows, but it's that this notion of intentionality uh, very rarely do things just get better when you're coasting in any area. A hundred percent. And, and this is, and this is such a beautiful way to loop to the beginning. It's that it's, you know, when I said to, for me, healing isn't going from bad to good. It's going from good to great, from greater, even greater, from greater. Because a lot of people that experience this stuff, you know, around fear about picking up their phone or trauma from their past, you know, playing out in their life. Maybe, you know, if someone's been, you know, cheated on, they're not being able to trust their future partner, like just things like this. It's not that your life is bad. It's just that it's going to be more fun if you clean this up, right? And so it's deciding that even though you're not at rock bottom, <laughs> that you still deserve to trust your partner. You still deserve to look, and sorry, to, to feel good as you see, you know, your phone ringing, you know? And so, I think that's that's a really beautiful way to see healing. How can I allow my life to be even better than it already is, right? By just focusing and cleaning up these different parts. I love that. This has been amazing. Hannah, before we go, could you leave our audience, leave our listeners with one 
important or impactful question they should be pondering or could be, I don't want to shoot on anybody. So what's something we could be thinking about? Hmm. I think, go on, since we've gone quite <laughs> deep and wide in this interview and, and spoke about all of these things, I'll share a question that I ask myself regularly, you know. I supported someone in, in end of life, which made me realize that not everyone is is happy with the life that they've led when they leave, right? And a lot of people don't even think about, will I be happy, right, leaving my life as it is until minutes before they're passing. So the question is, close your eyes for a second and see yourself at 80, 90, 180, however old you want to be when you go. And ask yourself, what would I need to be looking back on, right, to feel that I'd had the most fulfilled, successful life for me, right? So closing your eyes, seeing yourself end of life, not in a, in a horrible way, just, you know, in a peaceful, oh, my human experience and this body is done. What would I have had to have done in my life, right, for this to have felt like a successful, purposeful, you know, beautiful life? And then start making decisions from that place. That's a beautiful question. Hannah, this has been amazing. And I'm sure uh, our listeners uh, probably want to know more. So so for anybody that wants to get in touch with you, learn from you, engage with you on a, on a professional level, what's the best way to find you? So I think the best place to find me is Instagram. My Instagram is Hannah. Okay. Hannah is spelt with a J. So you guys are going to remember me because I'm half Spanish, half English. Think jalapeno. So my name is spelled J-A-N-A. That's Hannah Bartlett, B-A-R-T-L-E-T-T, -T -T, Alonso, right? You've got to remember that because of the racing car driver. So Hannah Bartlett Alonso. And if you yeah, want any information on how to work with me or any of the therapies that I've mentioned, you can just drop into my messages and just write the word podcast. And so I know you will have come from here. I can share with you some of our free courses around healing and business development, if that interests you. Um, and also, yeah, if you were intrigued by the modalities that I have mentioned today, we have two places that we can work together. Firstly, we have the school, which is called the School of Integrative Healing, which is for those of you guys that want to heal yourself. And I also have a certification program where we train people how to use all of these modalities. So lots of options. But if you just want to come say hi and say, Han, you said weird things, but I liked them. <laughs> I listened to the podcast. I would like that message just as much as well. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you for that. I have no doubt folks will be reaching out. Hannah, thank you so much. This has been amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Listeners, thank you. So glad you tuned in. Before we go, whatever grand vision you've been given, whatever dream God has put on your heart, remember, you can. Until next time, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful, and live life strong. Peace to you, everybody. Well, thank you so much for listening. For even more on turning trials into triumphs and seeking and embracing success, go to toddhalls.life. That's toddhalls.life. And I look forward to serving you. Until next time, be strong, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful. Peace to you.